Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. I'm your host, Joe Schunkweiler, a physician and former health tech executive now supporting startups and investors at Amazon Web Services. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Tamir Wolf. Dr. Wolf is the CEO and co-founder of Theodore a surgical intelligence company that puts defining intraoperative moments in the hands of surgeons so they can continuously perfect their craft. Tamir talks about how unnecessary variation in care can have major consequences for patients, why capturing intraoperative data is so valuable, and what becoming a patient himself taught him about the value proposition of his own company, Theater. Enjoy. Tamir Wolf, CEO and founder of Theater. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Joe. To start off, can you tell us a bit about Theater and what you all are doing? Of course. So in the world of surgery, you may or may not know that there's tremendous variability and disparity. Where you live actually determines if you live today in this world. And so the idea behind Theater is to understand what best practices look like and then disseminate them. And we do that by enabling routine video capture of procedures in the operating room, connecting the dots along the patient journey with what type of patient goes into surgery, what outcomes are, and then identifying what best practices actually look like based on those variable components in order to disseminate them so that you know this paradigm that I was talking about before doesn't exist anymore. So reducing the variability by using standards and technology and, and, and every other way to get at that, um, the, the best practices in any given procedure. Exactly. When you think about it, I mean, uh, you know, surgery for hundreds of years has been an apprenticeship. And so that, you know, by definition is very limited and very limiting. And so the idea here is to do things at scale, get at scale, mm-hmm. gather experiences at scale, and you can leverage technology in order to do that. And by doing that at scale and understanding and identifying what best practices actually look like, we can improve patient care, patient safety, quality of care, and also the experiences of surgeons that now are not limited to an experience set that is based on, you know, where they trained or where they're practicing, but rather, you know, the wisdom of a much wider audience. Yeah, it's something that my my previous life, as as we talked about in the lead up to this, I was a, a, a general surgeon at, in New York City. And... I had always wondered why there wasn't more technological support in the way there were for other performance-based disciplines. So you can imagine a tennis swing or a golf swing. I'm a a bad golfer, but an avid golfer. Um, And you, you think about the analysis that your average like mediocre golfer gets at a, uh, uh, by a golf pro from, you know, video and, and technology. And there's nothing like that, or there wasn't back in the day when I was doing it, uh, for, for surgical procedures. So that's, um, it makes a ton of sense to me. Um, it definitely seems like there's, you tapped into a real need, um, at this moment to match what's needed in the market, plus the technological ability to, to serve that need. I, I definitely agree. And, you know, I was watching um, a basketball game between the Warriors and the Lakers um, a couple of weeks ago. And you take a look at LeBron. Um, he's good because he's talented, but he's also, you know, extremely good mm-hmm. because like each and every quarter he gets like the, the stats and mm-hmm. he reviews them and he understands who does what and when they do it. And he continuously fine tunes the way that he performs based on that. Um, and this is mid-match or mid-game. And the idea that, you know, surgeons, um, you know, are at the cutting edge of 
cutting bleeding edge of everything. <laughs> Literally. And, you know, what, yeah. and what we, we do actually, you know, um, has impact on individuals' lives. And yet, you know, there's nothing like this. And between cases, they run from one case to another mm-hmm. just because it's like a crazy, you know, it's, it's a crazy livelihood. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be improved here. So what, what about your own background and experience? A lot of what we do on this podcast is sort of dig into um, not only innovative companies like yours, but the folks that build them and found them and, and, and grow them. So what, take us through your own background and how you got to, to theater and where you are today. So my background, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a physician. Um, most of my professional career as a clinician was uh, in, in a unit that's in Israel that's similar to the SEAL Team 6 mm-hmm. here in the United States. So very operationally oriented. Um, and then after my military uh, stint, more than a stint, it was roughly seven years, um, I decided to go into health tech. Um, I wanted a broader... To, to, to much like to have like a broader uh, impact on patients' lives, and you know, and ultimately into theater, I actually dove in uh, because my wife needed uh, an appendectomy. We were actually living in New York at the time, and within the span of several months, I diagnosed my previous boss and my wife with appendicitis, and I took him to two different hospitals seven miles apart. And the approach to treatment and treatment were very, very different, even though I'd already brought them in with the clinical diagnosis. Um, and I started to realize that, you know, the decisions that are being made from the moment that, you know, someone sets foot in the emergency room um, really dictates their prognosis and what will actually happen, you know, with them. Um, I saw it with my boss, like very bad decision-making from the moment we set foot in the emergency room, protracted stay in the hospital, um, near-death experiences with my wife it was like 12 hours in and out mm. and so you know I started wondering you know why there is this type of variability at like two excellent centers in the same city not far apart and the more you do- I dove into this the more I realized that yeah you know this apprenticeship model and the way that things are being done is not something that's conducive to you know standardized care and so the idea is, all right, how can we leverage technology now in order to standardize things, in order to codify them um, so that, you know, it doesn't matter where you live, you get the same type of uh, treatment. It doesn't matter, you know, what surgeon you go to, you know, based on your characteristics, they provide you with the best possible care that, that's available. Touching on the technology piece for, for just a moment, what about the available tech stack and technological capabilities makes this the moment to meet that need uh, that you, that you laid out. You know what? It's really amazing. And for those who are not, you know, embedded in healthcare, it might be a bit shocking. So there are, you know, tens of millions of procedures that are already done minimally invasively in the hospital, which means that a surgeon doesn't do extensive surgery, but rather, you know, makes a few incisions and through them introduces tools and cameras. And so this is minimally invasive surgery. The surgeon, you know, can, can have like an entire day where they're performing surgery based on taking a look at like a screen. And yet the vast majority of these procedures are not captured, they're not stored, and they're not analyzed. And similarly to other industries where you can gather so much information that's super valuable from just like reviewing a video and structuring it, this is something that's really lost today um, in this world. What we've created is really a platform that one, 
um, enables routine touchless capture of everything that's being done in the operating room based on the hardware stack that's already there. We're not an introducing any additional sensors or cameras or anything like that. Everything is already there. What we are introducing is a way to routinely capture everything without interrupting surgeon workflow, which is important. Right. And then two, really structuring the video data in a way that makes sense. So what we've created is the platform that we call surgical intelligence because it really captures the essence of the intelligent aspects, the cognitive aspects that happen in surgery. And we're starting out by identifying key moments in a procedure. So these could be key steps in a procedure, key events that occur that are seminal, key milestones that a surgeon needs to achieve in order to like proceed in surgery in a way that is safe and efficient. So we're automating the process of identifying all of these in order to ultimately be able to codify, you know, what best practices look like. In, in digging through some of the materials that you have publicly available, the key moments are anybody who's listening to this, that's a surgeon, particularly a general surgeon. It's like the first key moments that you would immediately think of, you know, visualizing the, um, the bile duct and the, these key structures that you would document during a procedure um, for the un uninitiated. And you highlight those on the, on the website as, as, as one of the things that you do. I'm curious, how did you go about building that know-how into the company? Like you're, you have a clinical background, you're a physician. What did your team growth look like? Were you focused purely on the tech, tech side? Were you looking at product builders? What did, that, what did those early hires look like to build this product? The, the, the most important hire was my co-founder which is not a hire it's really like to, to find that individual that can, you know, help from a technological standpoint. So Dotan, who joined me early on in, on, on this journey, led computer vision and Israeli intelligence and has a lot of experience in analyzing surgical, uh, surgical footage. Now, this is like a very nascent area. You know, when you think about healthcare meets AI, you think of areas like radiology, like pathology, you know, in, in, other, in, in other domains, you know, maybe about revenue cycle management. Right. But you don't really think about this world. A lot of it is because, like we mentioned early on, you know, there's no real data out there yet that you can start building capabilities upon. And so what we initially set out to do together with the time is build out like the technological team that would be able to actually start structuring, structuring surgical video and make sense, uh, uh, make sense and make it actionable to surgeons. You know, we talked about the moments that, that really matter in a procedure. But, you know, to be honest, technology for the sake of technology is meaningless. Um, and especially in healthcare, technology really needs to provide a lot of value. And so the rest of the team is really all around the product and all around like providing value to surgeons today as we start accumulating all this, like all these vast amounts of information um, and make sense of them, understand, you know, best practices, like we mentioned earlier on. And, you know, as the team evolved, we see more and more of the value that can be derived from this information that we are, uh, that we are now gathering and structuring. And so we're building out, you know, entire teams that look at what can be gleaned from analyzing surgical footage. What are the insights that we can actually gather in order to improve patient safety, quality of care, manage risk better? Uh, within a hospital system and ultimately provide uh, multiple stakeholders within, you know, a hospital with value off the bat. 
focusing on who you're targeting within the hospital's health systems, what does your customer look like? Like, what is your, and I would, and I have two questions here. One, who does it, who are you selling to in that scenario? And then how does that potentially differ from who your user base looks like? So I know particularly in healthcare, it's not always the same group. You know, like I mentioned, this is the beginning, I think of like an, an entirely new category in healthcare around surgery. Um, and the initial cell is very clinical. Um, we need to provide surgeons with a lot of value. The decision makers are usually the chairs of the department who want to change you know, culture within their own institution and understand the value of being able to review what you did in the operating room, you know, and for a variety of use cases, like I mentioned, the end user could be a surgeon, it could be the chair of the department, it could be, you know, the chief of a specific division, um, it could be CMO, it could be a chief quality officer. There are multiple stakeholders, but I, I think like the key persona, at least initially, is really the chair of a department of surgery or gynecology or urology. Right, some procedure, it's procedure based, especially. Do you come with a specific use case or cadence in mind, or do you, like, how does that work when you come into the system? And, and, and the reason I'm asking this is that knowing more what that dynamic looks like, do you go in and say, hey, this allows you to do weekly case reviews, to identify best practices, to identify outliers, or do you sort of let that develop? Uh, I imagine you, maybe not as much anymore, but initially probably you're involved in personally in a lot of these discussions um, at, the, at the customer level. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's very clinically oriented initially. Okay. Um, and I think it will take time, um, but we, also, we will also get to a more ROI driven mm-hmm. uh, conversation as we gather more and more, uh, more, and more information. I, you know, I, I think it's a combination of uh, um, you know, what the institutions that we interact with are interested in and you know, what we can provide today with the product. And you know, what I mean by that is that every single you know, institution has their own issues, has their own problems. And we, we're, we're coming in to solve a problem. And I'll give you an example. Um, but before that, let me just say that um, the fact that today procedures aren't routinely captured in the operating room and stored is a huge issue because ultimately there's a ton of information that is derived from what happens in surgery, but it is all outcomes-based. There is literally no understanding of process because that is not captured. And so at a high level, what we provide at theater is really a very basic understanding of process. And once you have that, you can start linking it to outcomes to improve a variety of things that are happening you know, within an institution. So there's one, there, there's one health system that I'm talking to right now that have four times the number of leaks after colon surgery compared to the national average. And they don't know why. And they'll never know why until they start capturing what is actually happening in the operating room on a routine basis. And so with them, you know, the, um, the interest is to really understand and, you know, and dive into why that is happening. And then, you know, think of various methods to mitigate it, to understand, you know, is this happening because, you know, we have individuals that need a bit more experience gathering? Is this happening because of a specific tool we're using? You know, why is this happening today? There's no understanding of like, of, of that case. Um, other institutions um, that we're speaking to are interested in understanding uh, competency 
of uh, surgeons. They have, you know, for example, there's this one um, healthcare system that has, I think today, 16 hospitals under their logo. And within a specific specialty service, they're interested in, you know, understanding is there variability in the way that care is being provided across all those hospitals within the system? And as the system is buying more and more hospitals, they're responsible for that specific um, surgical line. You know, how do you understand what's going on and uh, maintain everyone to the standard um, that your logo uh, demands? I, I think there's like so much here that, uh, that can be done, but none of it can be done unless you have like a basic understanding of what's going on. And that is something that we basically provide today. Tease out which one is the clinically leading, obviously, as you said, but which one has been the leader thus far? Is it variation reduction within a system? Is it variation reduction against some national or you know other benchmark? Or does it all it sort of all goes into the mix and it's sort of that desire to bring uh, a more uh, concrete data source in to drive improvement within a, de a department or a surgical group? I think it's a great question. And, you know, to be honest, I think it's all of the above. Yeah. Um, plus, I think, you know, a lot of market dynamics and how like the future surgeon, you know, looks like. So, you know, today's surgeons um, or the surgeons in training, like video is becoming a key staple in, mm -hmm. you know, in our world as consumers in general. And so I think that is, you know, one key component here. Um, in, in addition to that, I think there's a growing understanding within the specialty, the professional societies, and then, you know, the various agencies like the American Board of Surgery, for example. So when the American Board is starting to assess the value of video review in order to certify and, you know, provide credentials, um, re-entry of surgeons into, into practice, you know, I think that's, that is, that is huge. Um, when professional societies like SAGES, for example, which is the key mm -hmm. professional society for minimally invasive general surgeons, is starting to provide certification for its fellows based on re review of videos of specific procedures, I think that's also something that drives, um, that drives adoption and, and understanding of like how video could be leveraged. So I think, you know, the, the concept of like routine video capture, um, which a couple of years ago might have sounded weird, is becoming more and more ubiquitous. And on the other hand, I think that everyone is obviously interested in AI and you know, what AI can do for them. And so I think there's a real understanding that there can be uh, like an amazing and very unique combination here between the capabilities of AI around intraoperative surgical video. We spend so much time thinking about data sources, particularly data sources that are underutilized or unutilized um, in, in medicine and in healthcare and wellness, um, that it's relatively new that we would be collecting patient steps or, you know, activity via mobile phones and all these things. That's, you know, that's a, a relatively new concept that's become very much in vogue, much less places where, as you alluded to, we're capturing reams of data, you know, in terms of video data from these laparoscopic and, and, and minimally invasive procedures. And it's unutilized, you know, for the most part. Um, it reminds me of the, the way people are starting to think about EHR data and unstructured notes and all these things that we are capturing in the clinical record, not even going out into somebody's, you know, wearable. Um, it's already there and it's already stored. What do you do with it? I'm, I'm really impressed with how you've been able to frame this and your ability to get out into what's not the easiest segment to sell to. 
um, with the sales cycles and with the risk aversion. Uh, and it, what do you see as the biggest driver of growth? Is it a desire to, to work to that higher standard? Is it trying to anticipate different payment models or, you know, pay per performance, like, like looking ahead and like giving the snapshot that you did now, which makes complete sense. What do you think is going to drive growth for theater in the next five years and beyond um, in this space? I think a lot of it is going to be like around, you know, the value that we can provide a healthcare system around minimizing variability, um, around like ultimately understanding what is going on, reducing the risk for, you know, complications for the patient uh, right. or, you know, even medical malpractice um, because you can understand what is going on and then mitigate it. There will be, you know, a few more, um, a few more drivers beyond that. Um, you know, I can, you know, maybe I can share a bit of like my, my very personal history of just this past year where, after our A round, this is not something you hear about from like most entrepreneurs. It's like very <laughs> stressful. I've I've no idea if it um, if it had any impact, but like very very close to closing my uh, our A round, um, I actually diagnosed myself with cancer. Oh my um, and I, you know, throughout 2021, most of the year was spent in surgery and chemotherapy. And as I was lying on you know the the operating room table as a patient, uh, for the first time in my, in my life, um, I realized that, you know, I had the opportunity to go to the, you know, best in class because, you know, I know the field. Um, but, you know, none of the procedure was, was going to be like captured, stored, analyzed. And, you know, this best in class surgeon, like everything that they know, the knowledge would not, you know, be disseminated so that other people could also have um, or benefit, you know, from, from, from those experiences and that capability, uh, which is very, very unique. You know, to me, even as a patient, it's mind boggling that, you know, one, um, I had access to every chest x-ray, CT, MRI, you know, that, that I had to undergo, but, you know, I was unconscious on an operating room table for eight hours and there's nothing other than an operative report, which is narrated you know, to actually capture what was being done to me. Um, so maybe I'm an outlier from that perspective, but I think ultimately there's gonna be another key driver in that, you know, we're all talking about interoperability, which really stems from, you know, this, this concept of allowing patients to have access to their data um, and information and what's being done to us. Um, and I think that the OR for surgical patients is a huge critical component um, that today, you know, as you said, and, you know, is just lost on the OR floor. Yeah, so I think there are going to be a lot of, exactly. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of dynamics around that. And again, from understanding processes, I think there are going to be, there's going to be a lot of motion down the road from insurance companies and others that will actually want to have a lot more clarity and transparency into what's going on in the operating room. So I think a combination of all of these is what is going to drive the, this category and market forward. And the thing that I enjoy the most, to be honest, today is having conversations with our partners um, that are on the cutting edge and like very, very innovative, um, like Mayo Clinic, for example, that want to actually determine how all of this shapes and pans out. And, you know, I think, you know, that, that's one of the things that is really, uh, that, that is really, you know, exciting about everything that we're doing today. 
Yeah, I had, I had a colleague that used to say the reason that he did clinical research, even with the demands of being an academic physician, is that the 5% or 7%, I'm just making up a number here, whatever small percentage of people that do that research are going to dictate what the 93, 95% of the rest of the field do. And so it seems like you've tapped into that with some of your, your early customers in particular, that they want to lead that charge, whatever it looks like, that they want to be the, the folks that are in the vanguard for tackling variability, getting to the best practice, utilizing all this un, previously underutilized um, data. So um, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting space. And as I said, as a former surgeon, I, I, I certainly appreciate the, you know, where you're sitting right now in a unique uh, market for this stuff. Thanks, Joan. And, and I think that for, you know, for the surgeons, for the surgeons that we work with or the systems that we interact with, I think it's also very enjoyable because they get to be a part of like innovation in the space. And it's from a product perspective, um, working with a company like theater, that's like super agile, quick moves, you know, moves uh, at a pace where I think others, others don't, um, definitely not academia. Um, I think what they're continuously seeing is that their ideas, their thoughts and things that they're interested in are very quickly incorporated into the product. And so it's not really, you know, just at a high level. Yeah, we have, you know, impact on how the field looks like and, you know, how this transition is going to go. But it really is like very specific and discrete impact on specific functionality of the product that would provide them with value. Um, so I think it's also something worth mentioning. Tamir, as a clinician, what do you, you must get approached by physicians all the time, you know, particularly now that people are, are sort of at their breaking point in a lot of ways, you know, a lot of docs are thinking, oh, um, now's the time to make the jump to, to some other field and, and startups are, 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 are a big part of that dialogue. Um, do you have advice that you provide to other folks with similar backgrounds looking to start companies? Well, the first thing that I say, it's not easy. I think, um, you know, taking something from ideation to execution is, is hard. Um, I think for physicians, the ideation part comes very easily, especially when they're thinking about something in healthcare, you know, because, you know, they're in the system. So they see, you know, everything that's, that's troubling and, you know, they're encountering these issues on a daily basis. Um, I think like anything else, you just need to jump in and you know, get your hands and feet wet. And so, first of all, I welcome any any physician um, who is interested in entrepreneur entrepreneurship um, to reach out. I'm uh, you know I'm I'm a big uh, uh, believer in good karma, um, and so happy to help anyone who has any interest in you know taking that leap. But you need to take a leap. Um, right. That's ma that's maybe the key point. I think it's very difficult to you know to to keep, you know, both feet or one foot, like in clinical practice, one foot in, you know, you're building a company, um, you need to make a leap. And so like when that time point is, you know, it's different and, you know, for, for every single individual, but I think that is, that is crucial. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like the ability to really impact you know, for me, you know, the reason I left clinical practice is to have impact on, you know, millions and billions of, of, of people worldwide. Um, it may not be as, 
you know, as deep of a impact as, you know, for example, the surgeon that operated on me, uh, you know, and removed, I think, 66 lymph nodes off of my aorta. But, um, but it does, it, it is really substantial, can touch a lot of people around the world and really impact how healthcare is, is provided. And anyway, I, w- I welcome a conversation with anyone who'd be interested in it. Well, you heard it here. That's it. Reach out to Tamir. <laughs> Dr. Tamir Wolf, uh, CEO and founder of Theater. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Joe. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rating. It helps others find us. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please go to aws.amazon.com startups.